Good morning. It's Sunday, May 16th. We're celebrating today the festival of the Ascension of our Lord. And we're going to ask once again, what if there's no abandonment? We're all too accustomed to people leaving us behind when we no longer mean much to them. We've got broken relationships in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, even our church. And we know how painful that can be. And we might be tempted often to think that when similar things happen elsewhere in our life, that maybe even God himself has left us behind, that he's abandoned us, that he's distant in the same way. Now, even Jesus has ascended to heaven and seems to have left us, left us behind. We don't see him every week or every day. But when Jesus ascended to heaven, he accomplished the exact opposite of what you or I might think. He's actually closer to us now than ever before. He has ascended to the seat of power from which he lives and rules eternally for you. I wish you God's blessings today as you worship him.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. The reading is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Jesus ascends to heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm of the day is Psalm 47, a responsive reading. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. 
God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. The Holy Gospel is Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. The risen Savior equips his disciples to be his witnesses. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. The age of the Christian church, that is, the era we live in today, often seems to us like a sort of religious no-man's land. A valley of dark times between the eventful days long ago when Jesus walked the face of the earth and, and the perfect future we await. We're between those two. We don't have the exciting cluster of miracles and frequent duels with demons that characterize the ministry of Jesus and also his apostles. A sort of cosmic smackdown that was going as the gospel was first making a beachhead into this world. And we certainly aren't enjoying anything remotely close to what's on the other end of this waiting, this dark valley, this, this time. We don't have anything remotely close to heaven. Instead, we are living in a society that, that does not have a broad acceptance of Christianity and, and even is moving further and further away. More and more of our neighbors are simply uh, what they call nuns, people who say, none, I have no rel- religious affiliation. And to make matters worse, the modern church culture has, in its own way, kind of shot itself in the foot by chasing so many fads and exotic doctrine and gimmicky practice that, in the most, that for the most part, it has kind of lost the very relevance it has, it is chased. So, wouldn't it be nice in this valley between the sort of glory years of Christ's ministry and the glory years that are to come? Wouldn't it be nice just to catch one glimpse of Jesus in the room with us? Just one to calm our fears, to ease our worries. But then we remember, you know, we can't see him. He's, he's gone. And sometimes it seems he's gone for good. It's all a little bewildering, in fact. I think the disciples of Jesus felt the same way. When you read the accounts as we did today, of what those apostles did and said after the resurrection of Jesus and before his ascension. You can tell they're still pretty unclear about a lot of things. In fact, right up to Jesus' ascension, we heard it, right? They're, they're baffled uh, that Jesus would even leave. They, 
they kind of wondered out loud, now that you're alive again, isn't this the time when you're going to restore that kingdom to Israel, that political kingdom? You can just hear him asking, shouldn't we, you know, go somewhere, Jesus? Should we, like, do something? Should we rally the troops, get the, get the gang back together again? And you have to admit, they were, they were right in one sense. This would have been a good time to rebound. It's not like Jesus' earthly ministry had actually ended all that well. When Jesus began his ministry, there were big crowds that would come out into the countryside to hear him preach. I mean, just imagine the impact of that. Just walk, imagine walking from any community here in Southern California out into the, to the desert, into the wilderness, just to hear someone speak. You'd have to really want to hear him to make that trek, and, and that's what many people did. They went to incredible lengths to hear Jesus. But you know, over time, the crowds started to thin out as Jesus began to uncover the ugly fact that the truths and values they held to be self-evident were no longer true in practice. His following dwindled and dwindled until, until what? Whole crowds turned against him. One of his closest allies betrayed him. And the rest of his closest disciples kept their distance, or even worse, denied him outright. And then he was executed as a criminal. And yeah, while Jesus had risen from the dead at the point we get to today's readings, things weren't quite like they used to be. They were still kind of odd days. So again, the disciples were right in a sense. If Jesus wanted to get that popular following back on track, he shouldn't ascend to heaven. If the kingdom of God really was all about a dusty strip of land in Palestine, then he shouldn't ascend to heaven. But of course, none of that is exactly what Jesus had in mind at all. His mission was not to build a following. It was to call his church into being. His mission was not to restore political Israel, but to create spiritual Israel. And he was well on his way of carrying out that mission. First, he had accomplished the atonement of the world's sin on the cross. Then he sealed that atonement and forgiveness by his resurrection. And now it was time for him to ascend. Ascend to heaven. And no, he didn't ascend because he was tired of answering dumb questions from confused disciples. He actually ascended to inaugurate the next phase of God's plan to call, gather, and enlighten a church of believers. So he gently reminded his disciples, this is what I told you about. This has been the plan all along, from Moses and the prophets right up to today. The Messiah was always going to have to suffer and die. The kingdom of God was always about repentance and the forgiveness of sins preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. The plan all along was to show the people of the world, to show you and to show me, that you and I, that all of us have no adequate way to bridge the hellish chasm between themselves and God, between us and our God. The plan all along was to provide the only path, the only way, through Christ. So he reminded his disciples of this, and then he made a promise. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. You will be clothed with power from on high. This was the promise of Pentecost, which, which you and I will observe next Sunday. This was the promise of a church empowered by the apostolic eyewitness testimony, a clear understanding of Scripture, especially Old Testament prophecy, 
a body of believers united in a historical faith built on a real man who did real things at a real point in history. Jesus didn't think that this time of the apostolic church that we're living in would be any sort of a bad time. He didn't think of this as a dark valley between two otherwise glorious peaks. He doesn't think of it that way. In fact, earlier in, in, in the scriptures, in John chapter 16, he had said, it is actually good for you that I am going. He said it was only after he ascended that he could send the Holy Spirit to inaugurate that final phase of God's plan of salvation. This is what I told you, he said. It's good for me to go. This was the plan, that the Father would promise the coming of the Son, that the Son would arrive in human flesh and redeem the world, that the Holy Spirit would come to bring all things to fruition. This was the plan. God had long promised that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would show that the last times are here, and Jesus was excited to get those times rolling. So he ascended to heaven. He sat at the right hand of the Father. He took authority and power and victory. And with it, he triggered the third and final phase of God's great plan to bring all his elect to heaven. This has been the will of God from all eternity, and it has centered on your everlasting salvation. That's why when we follow this liturgical progression of Christmas to Easter to Ascension to Pentecost and again, that's not just because of some old tradition. This is actually because that's exactly how God enacted our salvation. It had an order to it, a story to it. And the triune God has delighted in in revealing it in history, and he still delights in telling it to you again and again. We never want to forget it, so we structure our year around the counsel and wisdom and works of our Almighty God. There's no better way to mark time, nor is there a better way to guide our worship. Each year, God directs our eyes toward Jesus, and today we look upward. We see him in his ascension. And yes, he goes away, but we don't see him gone for good. We see him going for good, in a different sense, for our own good. It went against the grain of their expectations, but in the end, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came upon the disciples after the ascension made the disciples more intimate fellows of Jesus, more intimate fellows of Jesus than they had ever been before his ascension. Before, it seems they were clueless. After, they not only understood what Jesus had done, they understood how the prophets had foretold it, they understood it was for their salvation, and they understood their role in God's mission to bring the same gospel to the world. You and I today, in May of 2021, are in the same privileged position. It may seem counterintuitive, but do not assume that you'd be closer to Jesus if he were walking the earth today. Remember, most of the people who saw him in person fell away from him. We are more intimate fellows of Jesus than we could have been before his ascension, because now we're united to him by faith in, in his body and his blood. We are members of his church, and we are united to him by the Holy Spirit. Now, it sounds strange, I think I agree. It would sound strange. Most of us would say we'd rather see Jesus face to face, like right now. Just in the same way, most of us would prefer to have our loved ones nearby with an actual physical presence. You know, you ask a husband who travels for business whether he'd rather be on the road sleeping in a hotel room or at home sharing his bed with his wife. Ask a mother whose son is deployed overseas whether she'd rather have him in the mess tent Uh, out in the desert or at the dinner table at home. Even in this last year or so, as we've been so separated and distant, people are 
are ready to be back together again. Even if you ask someone who's lost a loved one to death what they wouldn't give to see their loved one alive once more. But the thing is, we do have a way to connect with the absent, even the deceased, don't we? They're called photographs. That traveling husband can pull out the photo of his wife he keeps in his wallet and look into look deeply into her eyes across all the miles. The mother can ponder the photo of her faraway son and feel as if he's right there. We can even can even see moving images of each other. Photographs connect us with people across space. They can even connect us with people across time. We can look at pictures of our children when they were younger, in school, or or even when they were babies, and fill ourselves once more with the profound emotion of being a new parent. We can look at wedding pictures and travel back 10, 25, 50 years to when we were young. We can even look at photos of those who have preceded us in death and come to tears once more as the same sense of loss we felt when they died returns when we turn our gaze away from their image. Now, if a human invention like photography can offer such a powerful connection to those who are far away and distant, even though it's only ink and paper, how much more so the power of God's Word, endowed with the might of the Holy Spirit, which the Lord Himself has promised and delivered? How much more so the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, which the Lord Himself promises offers His very real presence? How much more so the water splashed on you in baptism that the Lord himself promises has sealed you as his own? Now Jesus may have left a lot of pressing questions unanswered for his disciples and for us, but it's better this way. There are no questions worth asking that don't already find their answer in Christ. He may not communicate with us face to face any longer, but it's better that way. There is already no more perfect communication from God than the Son, the Son you already know. He is the Word, He is the message, and He is the Son of God. Jesus may have ascended to heaven, but it's better this way. He has ushered in the last days, marked by the intimate communion between God and His people, the presence and never-ceasing activity of the Spirit in our hearts right now, as proof of our final salvation. Jesus has ascended to the heights. He's gone up to heaven. He has sat on His seat at the throne of God. He is gone, but He is gone for our good. All that's left now is the last stage of his plan, the things he has already told us about, the things we confidently expect. He will return for good, for our good, for our eternal good, and the fruits of his ascension guarantee it. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, since your Son has gone up with a shout and the sound of a trumpet, ascended in triumph and seated at your right hand, so open our lips to sing praises to our King, rejoicing and living in the truth of his victory for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, your Son has commanded us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Bless the proclamation of your church, that many may believe, be baptized, and be saved. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, your Son has ascended to sit at your right hand until you make his enemies his footstool. Fix our eyes on him, ruling in the midst of his enemies, that we may not fear them, but abide in his peace. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, since your Son will shatter kings when he executes judgment on the nations, keep all our leaders from acting in ways that will earn them his wrath. Bless them with wisdom to govern us in accord with your righteous ways. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, as believers in your Son's name, we call on you to deliver all who suffer in our midst from sickness of body and mind and every other power of the enemy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we here remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Praising his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.